Fun fact, before TJ and I sat down for this episode, I had no idea how to pronounce his last name. And we've been friends and uh, work colleagues since early 2019. And we're now a little over four and a half years into our friendship. And I had no idea how I said his last name until we sat down together because it was the first thing I asked him. So turns out this podcast is also very educational because we are learning how to pronounce words. So you are welcome, my friends. Episode one, The Failed Experiment, TJ Sinyago, gaffer, local 728 set lighting technician, punk rock enthusiast, San Diego native, San Diego Padres fan, and all around good dude. This was a, a lot of fun. TJ and I met in early 2019 uh, via a super creepy Craigslist ad that I had put out because I was in need of a gaffer and didn't know anybody. So Craigslist it was. You'd be surprised. There's actually every now and then some good uh, jobs to be found on there in the creative world, but they're mostly trash. But every now and then you can find a good one. And I had to find a gaffer, so I put a listing on Creepy Craig's page. And it gave me TJ for a vegan cooking show that I was DPing. And that's how we met. And we get into that um, and our experience working together on that fun but odd experience of a cooking show and then going on to work on a handful of short films together that TJ gaffed uh, and I DP'd and then he decided he was too good for me and joined the union and went to work on shows like Yellowstone and Daisy Jones and the Six and the Baxters and Insecure and Aquaman The Lost Kingdom with Jason Momoa and didn't bring me along asshole but uh yeah, this was a good time. Uh, TJ gets into sharing his uh, experiences growing up in San Diego, playing baseball, um, playing in a punk rock band in high school, and how he got into filmmaking and lighting and gaffing and that transition from San Diego to uh, moving to Los Angeles and kind of the grind of working on low-budget, no-budget music videos, shorts, cooking shows shot by yours truly, um, and more. Uh, it's rad to hear his journey, and he's pretty candid about all of exp- all of his experiences, and especially being in the union, he shares some very insightful information about um, some of his good experiences and some of his uh, less than good experiences. So it's a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully one day we can work together again. But um, I don't know that I'm DPing any uh, Jason Momoa Aquaman type movies anytime soon, so might not happen. Uh, and, uh, if you haven't already, you can check us out on Instagram at underscore the failed experiment, um, posting a bunch of black and white portraits that I've been taking of each guest, um, behind the scenes, photos, videos, etc. from each guest that they're sharing with us, uh, and all that good stuff. So you can like, follow, share all that stuff. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter, but Facebook has suspended, uh, the account, for violating its terms, and I don't know what term I violated because I haven't posted anything on Facebook, but the account's suspended, so thanks, Zuck. Uh, We're also on Twitter, but I don't remember the handle, so if you want to find it, go for it. Uh, We're also on YouTube. I don't know why, because we don't have a video component, but uh, apparently that's what you're supposed to do, so there you go. Uh, And if for some reason... uh, Actually, no. Before we go there, and I make it weird... 
wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, etc. Share, like, follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. I'm told that it helps, so that would be cool. And uh, if you want to donate further, or support further, I should say, holy cow, uh, you can donate Venmo at Kyle Cowling. One dollar, two dollars, twenty-six cents, forty-seven cents, forty-seven dollars. Uh, no dollars. You don't have to donate at all. I don't want to make it weird, but if you want to be a super fan for some reason and support the cause further, that's how you can do it. Because this show is sponsorless. Me, myself, and I, and my dear friend Jeff Simpson, helping me do uh, all the social assets. But uh, you don't have to support that way if you don't want to. I don't want to make it weird. Whatever floats your boat. Or if you don't want your boat to float, it can stay at the bottom of the ocean. Like a sunken ship. Uh, But yeah, otherwise, find us on all the socials. Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. And if there is a guest you want to have on the podcast, uh, shoot me a DM. Comment. Email. Text. And let me know who you want to see on the show. And I will do my best to try and make that happen. Uh, Or if you know that person that you want to see on the podcast, link us up. Because that makes life even easier if you want to do that. Uh, And then uh, if any of my uh, people out there know Jenny Taft, Brittany Force, Toby Morse, Ted Stryker, Pedro Pascal, Last of Us, Ronda Rousey, Natalie Kingston, Jessica Rose Clark, UFC fighter. Um, let me know. Connect us. They're on my wish list. I want to have them on. But um, I don't know them, and they don't know me. So that's why it is a wish. So, uh, yeah. If you might know them, connect the dots. And let me know who you want to see on the show. And I'll see what I can do. And I'll shut the fuck up. And let's do this. Episode one, TJ Sanyago, gaffer, set lighting tech, friend, and too cool to work with me. Let's do it. Enjoy. Larry sure. I like. How yeah, he... He, dude, he's a character. When, I, when we did uh, uh, the Emerging Cinematographer Awards last year, uh-huh. um, just being in the union, I got invited to go uh-huh. to the screening for all that. And Larry was the the like guest of honor for it. So yeah. he did like a speech and whatnot. And then afterwards <clears throat> me and Karen are like in the lobby and everyone's having a drink. And Larry's like from probably me to you. Yeah. Standing there shooting the shit with someone. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like, like, <laughs> like, I guess I'm going to go introduce myself. I don't yeah. know how this is going to go. And then, uh, before I could do it, I had to leave because I got an email from a client that needed changes right then and there for wow. something that was due, uh, <laughs> the following morning. So, uh, I got, Cock blocked hard. It was Fucking not. Yeah. yeah. It was one of those moments where I almost rage quit. I was like, I looked at Karen and I was like, I'm fucking done. I'm rage quitting right now. I, I didn't talk to Larry sure right now. Like, yeah, I couldn't. Now look at me. The dude that shot the Hangover movies, the Joker. I know. It's funny because, like, I'm thinking, like, well, he's kind of most famous now for shooting the Joker. But today, we had, because ju- we had just been in Vegas and we just watched the Hangover. And I was like, so he good. shot the Hangover. So good. Highest grossing so R rated comedy of all time. <laughs> Well, we're rolling. Let's do this. Uh, first thing I want to start with, TJ. 
how the fuck do I say your last name? Sinyago. Sinyago. Yeah. I've known you, what, since like 2017 <laughs> or 18? It's very common that people do not know. Sinyago. I mean, I got friends I've known for so long that like still butcher it. Because, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's like, how often are you really going to say it or have that conversation? Yeah. Like, we're, it's so personal, you don't have to deal with that stuff. <laughs> so. yeah. I've always wondered that because I've known you for so long. We've worked together and I'm like... Like, we're not work colleagues, I would say. We're friends. Like, you come over and hang out with us and vice versa. And it's like, I don't know how the fuck I say this dude's last name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now that we have that out of the way, uh, so you work as, so you're a gaffer and then in the union as a, the local 728, right? As a yeah. lighting technician? Local 728. Yeah. What, uh, what's the distinction between a gaffer and a set lighting tech? And the gaffer's the boss, the department head. Like, you know, you got a bunch of little goons running around. Those are your lighting techs. <laughs> you know, it's like dad and the kids. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's a lot of it. Like, I talk to gaffers and I'm like, because, you know, whatever. They tend to be in their 40s and like stand up guys and like, you know, good hold on money. And so, you know, whatever. That, that leads to them being. Dating somebody, marrying somebody, having kids, you know, living in the valley, buying a house. <laughs> so <laughs> the American dream. But, but so like I, you know, I have talked to a couple of gaffers where, you know, whatever you talk to them about their kids and you're talking about work, like eventually like so they'll tell you like it, it's somewhat similar being a father yeah. and being a gaffer. And like, you know, they'll say like I learned things from being a gaffer about how to be a better father and from being a father about how to be a better gaffer. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's management, it's leadership, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know, I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's a similar vibe where it's like, you are creating a safe space and we're all going to win. <laughs> like, yeah. you're the, I mean, you're the quarterback, you know, yeah. the head coach or whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's that's kind of the dynamic that I would say is. I mean, it's not always that way, but that's kind of what you want, I guess. You want that team family feel. Yeah. But sometimes it's it's hard to find that. Sometimes, sometimes it's not not that. Sometimes it's abusive dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's fucking absent dad. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I get that. Um, I was <laughs> I was looking last night uh, at your IMDb credits. Oh shit. And uh. Uh, obviously you have season four of Yellowstone. Uh, what was the TV? The Kenny, weren't you on a Kenny Barris? I don't remember all your IMDb, IMDb credits now. Insecure. Yes. Insecure. Uh, Aquaman 2. Oh yeah. All these cool things. But you know what one was missing on there? Was the first job you and I ever worked together in Newport Beach a vegan cooking is that, show. Is that is it on IMDb? No. Yeah. Okay. No, I was so like, don't because you know I would add it. You know <laughs> you, you I would. Need to. I'm pretty on top of my IMDb because Soul the typewriter's on there, and that was the second thing we worked on together. Oh yeah, but our vegan one isn't on there. What? Where did that go? Uh, YouTube. On. On um, whatever the I don't even remember the company or client name, but it went on whatever. Oh, it was the it was the anti. Milk people. Yes. 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 And I remember because like literally within two weeks, I've only done, okay, I've only ever done two dairy related <laughs> commercials. Yeah. And they're within two weeks of each other. You're welcome. It, or less. Yeah. And 
the the one that was pro dairy was better. <laughs> they of course, had, they of had course. more money and better food. But of course, I had. Uh, yeah. But it was a fun job. It yeah, all and because it's how we met. All well because of Craigslist. Because of Craigslist, and I drove yep. down to Orange County and I brought some gear. Yep. And I don't know why. And it, <laughs> man. I mean, talk about the like the the most unassuming like uh, you know expectation to like the greatest result of. Yeah. Like meeting a friend, yeah, <laughs> a colleague, yeah, you know what I mean. Like starting with bottom of the bottom, you're on Craigslist, yeah. and then you're, and then like you know, here talking yeah. years yeah. later, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's. I was laughing last night looking at all that, and I was like, oh man, he doesn't have our our vegan our vegan job on there, but Just put it on create create the page, dude. I might have to after this. Maybe I'll spend some Be time. Like, I'll do you that. know, freaking tag them all, dude. Like, post some lighting setups. You know, put it, put it in um, put it in Cinetracer. Uh, do some do some post viz on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some vector oh. works. Uh, we'll get we'll get into that a little bit later on. But I want to like go back for you when you growing up and like where you grew up. You're a San Diego native, right? Oh yeah. Born and raised. Born in yeah, twenty three years. I gave to that city. <laughs> what uh? What part of San Diego? I grew up in La Mesa by Mount Helix, okay. East County. Okay. You know, lifted trucks, <laughs> cargo shorts, metal militia, that whole oh, yeah. vibe. That wasn't everything, but that was defining. Yeah. It's funny yeah. because, like, in LA, there's just, there's people from LA, people from Orange County, there's people from all over, people from yeah. out of the country. But it's like, not everyone understands that vibe. But I know you do because. Oh, yeah. You're an honorary San Diegan. Yep. And it's yep. funny, and especially people from like South Bay and Orange County sometimes, like they went down there enough to like get it. Oh, but East yeah. County is like so specific. And it's funny that I only realized that after leaving. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't until I came to LA that, I don't know, it's just funny how you grow up one way and then you just realize that that's not how everyone is. Or like that people don't even know about it. Yeah. Or that it's like foreign to them. What uh? Where's El Cajon fall in that? Is that considered North County or is that East no? County? It's East County. East County. Okay. I mean, it's right next to La Mesa. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not as nice, but I mean, I went to high school. The address was technically in El Cajon. It was kind of more on the La Mesa side, but yeah, it was like all right in between. So I spent a lot of time in El Cajon, like yeah, whatever, like playing little league there, like going to the batting cages. I had friends there, like uh, yeah, the Parkway Plaza Mall was there. I'd always go there, so. Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Elkhorn. I there was uh, when I used to ride and race motocross way back when. Uh, there was a track in Elkhorn right next yeah. to the airport. Yeah, uh, and well, that's the thing too. Is there's a lot of like, like, motorsports yeah. and like dirt bike and and what's his name is from there the 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 NASCAR Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy Johnson? Yeah. Is that yeah, really? Yeah. Is he I, really? I, I'm pretty sure, right? That's the guy. Yeah, he's from. Okay, I didn't know that. and would like sponsor like that like. Cardine League or whatever. My okay. my buddy Kevin like raced in it because oh, he wow. was like he was super into cars. So he was like and did like karting until he's like I don't know high school or something. Yeah, and it was like spot like you know whatever he helped fund it and yeah blah 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 he got a foundation or whatever. Nice. But he's yeah that guy's from Elkhorn. Good shit and another San San Diego uh, friend or fan of ours is a uh, or fan we are of is uh, our boy Tom. Boy Tom. Oh, Tom. Yeah, dude, Poway. I mean, I grew up not too far from Poway. It's just kind of north. It's like northeast county. It's funny because it's like, technically it's kind of north county. Yeah. Which if you're from San Diego, you know what that means. But it's also kind of east county. Yeah. And it's, because it's like, also like, 
like Rancho Bernardo, it's like, okay, now it's kind of looking more like North County, but Poway, it's a little East County. It's a little yeah, country. It's it a is. Little, it's a little monster trucky, you know? Yeah, little, yeah. You know, that's kind of the yeah. East County it, Yeah, it totally is. <clears throat> yeah. It's pretty funny that uh, going back to Craigslist, it brought you and I together, you from being from San Diego and my, like, my wife's sister lives in San Diego and they grew up going to Padres games and then like our guy Tom with Blink and that whole deal, like mm-hmm. all the weird little, it's fucking weird, like how you meet people and like things kind of connect back to these certain yeah pot areas. Well, and it's, it's, it's fun for me too, because like, you know, so few people like that was my growing up, but now I don't, you know, regularly interact with like Padres fans or people who like, like baseball or play baseball or understand San Diego or, you know, go to the beach or, you know, do beach sports or stuff. You know what I mean? It's like stuff that was so like normal to me. That was so like common Mm -hmm. with other people that I grew up with that it's nice. Like having a friend here who like, is a Padres fan, like oh, talks yeah. about, you know, yeah. Padres and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, it, it's nice to like have a piece of home, <laughs> you know, yeah, like totally. in other people. Yeah, totally. It's San Diego's a, uh, cause I grew up, I remember when I was young going down, going down there to like Mission Bay and whatnot a lot. And, um, as I've gotten older, I've realized, and I hate to say, say it cause it sound like a kid saying it, but like San Diego is a fucking vibe in a good way. It's great. Like there is a vibe as soon as you, crossover into the county line and it's just i mean even growing up there i knew it was a great place and i appreciate it even more now that i live in la i like la maybe more in a way i mean i'd prefer to live here Mm -hmm. but how come because there's just more going on yeah i mean san diego's awesome but it's like it's a low vibe it's down low you know it's like chill and beach and sports and it's like great if you're like that chill person and you have or if you have a family or growing up with a family or i mean some people are like yeah just hike and i go to my biotech job and i or whatever i work at a surf shop and i you know surf and then i you know watch you know what i mean skate around it's like great for that vibe yeah which is fun to go back and do but i had like career aspirations and which you can have in San Diego. But that's the thing is like, it's hard to make a living there like in a career oriented way. Mm -hmm. I think there's very few things there. There's some like Titans that hold down the city's economy, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's just, there's not a lot for you to like to discover or aspire to the, but also too, it's like LA just has more career opportunity. It's just the center. It's more stimulating. It has, like, I always say, like, every movie will play here. Every band will come here. There's so many areas. It's huge. There's so many neighborhoods. There's so many different people. They come from all over. Businesses want to get in here. You know, food, drinks, vibes, parks. I mean, and also, too, not just, like, um, like uh, consumer things like that, but also, like, museums mm-hmm. and, like, parks and history and architecture is also here yeah and so i like that about la yeah. all that kind of stuff going yeah on. yeah i get that and san diego but i have a great thing because now i can drive a few hours back home see family and friends 
and it's really chill and it's really nice. And that's like awesome for like two to seven days to go back and just relax. Yeah. You know, it's like vacation totally. for free at my yeah. dad's house with my friends, my family and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And I could go back and revisit yeah. places and like see them with new eyes, you know? Yeah. I appreciate yeah. them more having had distance, having lived in LA. Um, but it's just nice that I have my life is compact. And then yeah. like my girlfriend being from Orange County, it's like the, you know, best 200 miles on earth are like where our life is. Yeah. And it's all very close yeah. and we understand it, each other. You know what I mean? It's all kind of connected. And I like that, yeah. that we have like this domain. So, yeah. There's this we- little, yeah, this little bubble that <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have everything you need. Where in Orange County is she from? She's from Irvine. Okay. I <laughs> I was just on a shoot not too long ago, um, and I had somebody that was on the crew give me a big rant about Huntington Beach, because that's where I grew up. Um, like, Huntington Beach and Fountain Valley. Fountain Valley is literally on the border of Huntington. Um, and then very specifically called out Irvine, too, for <laughs> uh, things that I was just like, wow, I don't, like, I see your point here, but, like, I liked where I grew up and had good experiences and you, you, this person definitely had a very clear perception in their mind of what they thought these areas were to some extent they were right. But overall I was like, I actually like going to Irvine. Like people got a lot of opinions about orange County. Yeah, I I get it too. I get it. You know, but not everyone's a fucking asshole. What I'm saying though is you live in LA and you go down there and you're like, it's nice. Certain parts of LA. Certain part. Well, uh, well, certain parts of uh, no Orange County. Oh yeah, you yeah, go yeah. down to Orange County yeah, yeah. and like compared to LA. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's like suburbia seems boring until you don't live in it, and then you go back and you're like, I get why people oh. invented these places. Oh no, yeah, and yeah, sure, the roads are a hundred feet wide and you can't walk anywhere, and there's only like chains and walls. Yeah. But you know that is starting to change, and it is nice. And it's like, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, I like the high adrenaline, if you could say that, lifestyle of LA. Yeah. And then you go there and you're like, suburbia rules. It's mm. just a nice, you know, oh, yeah. gear shift to help like regulate your life a little bit. Yeah. I, I've i been noticing that a lot this year. Like I've really transitioned my career out of the action sports world. And trying to make a more conscious effort into spending more time in L.A. and working on more narrative stuff, feature if I can, shorts, commercial, whatever it may be, music videos. And my time in L.A. is fun, but it's so nice when I, like, get back home and it's this little pie slice of suburbia I'm like oh, oh yeah I'm and like, like right here too like this house in this neighborhood <clears throat> it's nice that you're like really close yeah and it's really nice we're, yeah we, we fall we're technically in la county but like a mile away is the, the county line for orange county as i well. didn't know it was that close oh yeah we're like right this is technically long beach, this is right? long beach yeah. yeah but we're like right on the you, border this is the city of long beach yes yeah. yeah yeah and then when i tell people oh yeah I it's live nice in- that you have your own city yes because that's what i've noticed about la it's like <laughs> the the city doesn't necessarily take care of everything that I think they should. God, and when you go to cities that are their own city, yeah, Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, uh, you know, it's like you notice the differences. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, big time. Like big oh, time. this is like a little more of a community vibe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, 
So when you were living in San Diego growing up down there, what like what were you into? Were you in the sports, action sports, music? I played Little League for 10 years. So okay. baseball is huge. What My position? Dad, uh, center field. Okay. Uh, played some left field on All-Stars. Okay. Caps. I was playing some second base. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, because nobody hit it to the outfield. <laughs> Anyways, um... Then yeah, then you get to minors. People start smoking line drives at second base. Like I'm going to the outfield. Yeah, I like, was not. I didn't want the heat. I like to fly ball. I like to chase down stuff. Yeah. rob some homers, make some dive. You know, eat yeah. some grass. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I did that. Dad was a huge Padres fan, so season ticket holder. Went mm-hmm. to games all the time. Chargers season ticket holder. Um, yeah, I mean, I loved like hanging out with friends, playing video games playing baseball and then uh middle school i got into drums so i became a musician and did band and like had bands in high school and stuff and mm-hmm. what kind um, of what kind of bands punk bands okay some hardcore punk bands okay who uh who were your like who'd you guys look up to or like inspired uh, to be? minor threat okay. was a big one i always really like bad religion dead kennedys yeah um Got into them later, but I still think Descendants might be the greatest band of all time. But that didn't yeah. necessarily influence me or us. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, it kind of did. It kind of did actually. I remember okay. it. I remember, but I was I had less knowledge of them at the time. Yeah, when we started. What's your favorite Descendants record? Milo Goes to College. Yeah, easily. I mean, the other one. Yeah, easy. I mean, yeah, but I I appreciate the other ones a lot more. Yeah, as I grew up, like um, enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, is, is the second one? I don't want to grow up. The yellow one is it? <sighs> that one. That one is actually really good, even though it's kind of like the second album or whatever. Yeah. And then the the blue. I actually think probably the second best one is the blue one with Coolidge and Dude. Pep Talk and <sighs> yeah. Is that what is that one? Uh, so Milo goes Coolidge? to college, and then it looks like. All was the next one in 1987. That have no. Which one had? All, all wasn't next. Oh, or no, oh, no, 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 no. Because no, he was in college and then no, came no, no. Back. It was enjoy. Enjoy was next. Really? No, no, no. no it's the yellow. Oh one. my god! Yes, you're right. I'm all Google's fucking with me I right now. I think it's called. I don't, I don't want to grow up. Yeah, 1985. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, and then the third, their third record was 86. Enjoy, and then all the, was in 87. And which one's the blue one? All. Okay. Yeah. 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 That one is. That one's got yeah. Pep talk, Coolidge. Uh, yeah. Uh, clean sheets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That album is. See, that album's the one. I'm like, I don't know. But when I listen to Milo, I'm like, I mean, it's like it's a. I have this um, this concept that I, that I talk to with like friends who are really into music that I'm fascinated by. Okay, so like the album era is over right oh yeah it was like the 50s or 60s till like <laughs> a few years ago yeah, yeah and like you know whatever like the 2010s but you know i still live in that era in my mind i look at albums as like pieces of work like like films or something mm-hmm. you know like a cohesive presentation yeah with like you know turns and dynamics and all this stuff <clears throat> and i'm fascinated when an album <laughs> now it doesn't necessarily uh maybe it doesn't necessarily like have to be super conceptual mm-hmm. in terms of how great it is like as a 
whole unit and does it have everything in it but just like an album that is just good front to back yeah just like an album that has a bunch of like hits on it or whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. like just a like the the ability to do that many great songs on one record like not just a few and like you know kind of pad the rest or whatever i mean they're probably trying to make hits every time but that milo goes to college is like every song on that record is so good so good even and even the ones that i don't care for that much i'm like even that's a masterpiece yeah parents statue liberty oh dude does it (laughs) what i think it's called kabuki girl i love that oh you don't like it no i love that one okay yeah yeah. yeah, i was like at first i didn't like it but then the more i listened to that record i was like that's a fucking great song that's the thing that was the that was another thing that really influenced my opinion on this matter is Roger Daltrey, sing, singer of the Who, mm-hmm. like probably the greatest band of all time. They he he said that like he was talking about like back when you had like spin LPs and stuff, you know, you didn't have non sequential listening of the songs. You had yeah. side A or B, like that was kind of your you could kind of like drop the needle in the middle, but you yeah. know, it's not like it is now. Yeah. And so you would just listen to a whole record. And the song, he said like, oh, well, sometimes the songs that were my favorite, I didn't like so much after a while. And the songs that I didn't like at first, you just hear them because you're spinning the record. So you're not neglecting them because they're just there. Yeah. That they ended up, he ended up liking them more, more. you know, it became some of his favorites or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, I, I think that's like an important concept to like listen to an album and some stuff just like Milo goes to college is such a good record with such great hits that I got hooked on by certain songs. Mm-hmm. But then because of that, I listened to it so much that I'm like, you know what? Parents is a good song. Yeah. Statue of Liberty. Not yeah. so bad. Yeah. That's how, yeah. That's how I feel about <laughs> Kabuki girl. And then also, uh, marriage on yeah. that record. Like the first that was- marriage was one of that. That was like, I, that was kind of the song that got me into the Descendants yeah. marriage. First, it yeah. was like, um, Bi- it was Bike Age for me. It's- yeah, so Bike Age is the first song I I knew because I was introduced to that song by my friends mm-hmm. in the band, and then Marriage, I kind of got into and thought was really cool. And then like, dude, I still think My Age is probably my favorite. So yeah. good. Yeah, and then That's such a great opener too for that record. Yeah. I know. It's like, it really embodies what it's about. Yeah. To me. Yeah. That's like the here. If I was going to introduce someone to the descendants that didn't know, I would probably go my age. It's just, it's just like the perfect descendant song. It does has everything you want in a descendant song. Yeah. I, I think my all time favorite song though from them is probably Coolidge. I, 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 I've definitely heard that song the most. It's uh, the chorus. There was, there there was, there was an era where I would just listen to that song on repeat. Yeah. When I was driving, I would just listen to it on repeat. Yeah. So it's just like, stuck in my brain yeah there's some about that chorus and the lyrics are like <clears throat> i'm not a cool guy anymore as if i ever was before i'm just like fuck that hits so hard yeah so hard it's i mean yeah the lyrics are great the music is great i mean that descendants are so smart yeah they're you know lyrics are great it's like it's but it has so much energy and like mm-hmm. positivity and like interesting perspectives yeah and like um vulnerability yeah which is like you know they're still like the only like I mean, that's why they like, you know, kind of invented pop punk because they invented like vulnerability in that space. And but also too, like how good those musicians are, like everybody is just so good, like especially like Carl Alvarez. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, the bass lines 
in Descendants songs are like half the reason why I like them. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I just, uh, oh man, maybe a couple months ago now, I just finally started getting into H2O, the hardcore mm-hmm. punk band from New York. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I've gone, <laughs> I've gone through like every record on iTunes and I'm just like obsessed. Wow. They're so, like, and especially their first record. Oh, I haven't dude. thought about H2O in a while. Dude. You ever listen to Chain of Strength? No. They're like I think they're like the same. Okay. I feel like they're like similar. But I, my my memory is foggy of yeah, I've late eighties New York. Hard I've been <laughs> like super into that right now, and that's like spiraling, like had me spiral into like a whole, like getting back into like my kind of punk rock roots and like rediscovering bands that I like haven't listened to in years. Like this morning, took the dog to puppy camp to drop her off, and I'm driving home, and I'm like, I'm gonna see if Di is on in or on iTunes, and sure enough, Di is there, and I'm like, so I'm listening to Di on Are the they way. From Morris County, I don't know. Fullerton? Man, Fullerton. Are they? I'm pretty sure Google Fullerton. This? But I haven't listened to them in like yeah, decades. That singer, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. That singer is such a cook. I've seen them live. Really? You used to have a DI t shirt. What? I bought at the show. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, they're really funny. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I'm like remembering, like listening would, to these songs. I'm and like, they would oh, post yeah. like vlogs of them on tour. They're from Fullerton. Yeah. Fullerton, California. Yeah, it's fucking so good. Um, you okay. Know, like Richie hung himself. And, yeah, that's why I was literally listening yeah. to that laughing this morning. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, cool. that is a good band. Um, so for you being in a band, did that ever go anywhere or was it just like I mean, playing in a garage? I mean, we played shows. We like, we met people like, cause ba- basically like bands would come to town on tour which means like, you know, they're playing the back of a Mexican restaurant for like 25 people. Mm-hmm. Tickets are like $4. And, but they'd be from around town or from around the state or like West Coast usually. And we'd like make friends with them, tell them we like their music. And then like add them on Facebook. And then like when we wanted to do a tour, we'd Facebook message all these people in these different towns and kind of string together like dates and like half of them would fall through and half of them nobody show up and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And like, but we would, do like a road trip and bring you know as much gear as we could and play shows and nice and like basements and nice. f- funny funny places yeah. like you know record stores or like <sighs> yeah random random spots what uh, was there ever like so i guess for you at what like was the film industry ever like a th- on your radar, something you wanted to do, or was being in a band well, like I, ever since I was in high school? Because like I was in when I was in high school, everybody wanted to be um some sort of video maker. Not how it is now, where everybody wants to blow up on TikTok and sell out. It's like just YouTube was newer because YouTube got popular in like I think it's for like oh four oh five is what when it came out, but it got oh, started getting popular like. 2006, I think, is when it came out. Because really? I was I was working at Disneyland at the time, and I I literally remember being working at Disneyland. I was working on the Jungle Cruise, and someone coming up to me on the dock and being like, "Hey, look at this thing I found on YouTube." And I I'm like, "What the fuck is YouTube?" <laughs> it's a stupid name. Yeah, and like he showed me whatever this video was, and it was he was like, "Yeah, YouTube's like this brand new thing that just came out that people upload videos to." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't." And then like, so I'm in like. So middle school, it's popular. It's like oh six, oh seven, oh eight, <clears throat> and then oh, by like, and then high school, it's been popular for a few years, and it's kind yeah. of growing. 
and people, everybody was just like into making videos. Like also like, you know, camcorders, like, uh, you know, like 2000, I was in sixth grade when like the iPhone came out and had a mm-hmm. camera on it and like, you know, so people want to make videos and stuff. So yeah. I wanted to make, we all wanted to make videos. Like it mostly was like fun. This is also like when like Lonely Island was doing stuff and like mm-hmm. getting on SNL. And so it was like skits was like a huge part of the culture of like my friends and like me and posting them to YouTube, like just for us to watch. And this is before YouTube was really commercialized around like 2010 and stuff. Yeah. And I, that was kind of the, like the seed of me wanting to be in like, you know, first it was video production, video, this video. And I figured I would, I never wanted to leave San Diego. I never thought I could like handle it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really just didn't want to and like not even for college. So I stayed for college, but so, yeah, I mean, I went to college for video and but it was always like, I like movies a lot. I always really liked movies, but I wanted to just make videos and like work in San Diego and there was like advertising in San Diego and like mm-hmm. video production and stuff like that. So I, that, that was, that was my thought. And then in college I met people who wanted to be in the film industry mm. in some, you know, way. yeah. And that's when I started thinking about that, but I was like, no, I'm going to stay in San Diego. I don't want to, I don't even know, know how to do that. That doesn't make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of college, I had a class because the, the program was very like, do your own thing, make your own little video projects. Like, like in like high school. Yeah. But and they were like, yeah, you can collaborate, but that's not what this is about, which is stupid because, like, that's the whole point of, <laughs> like, yeah, filmmaking. Yeah, that's the whole fucking point. Yeah. Uh, but um, so then I had this class where the this, like, ancient French filmmaker who was, like, a kind of important cinematographer in, like, the 70s, she had this class where everyone would be like, she's like, you're a director, you're a DP, you know, you're a gaffer, you're going to mm-hmm. be the editor, you're going to be the producer. And you guys are going to like get in a room and you're like, make something. You're going to, we're going to show you how it's done. Like with a crew, yeah. you know, and a cast, like a real movie. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, it was like a shit show, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, we all were on set, all of the class, all these people I knew, all my friends were like on set together and we were like instructed to like work together and specialize in something and that was fun and like you know lighting seemed like a cool thing and i had to do something in the class and so i was like okay mm-hmm. i guess i'll do that and like i could figure that out you know? yeah i didn't i knew nothing about lighting but like you know it's like i don't know i didn't want to direct or yeah act or i liked editing a lot but i'm like but i had to do something on set and i'm like okay Lighting, sure. Because that's the thing too is I, I liked editing the most. Really? In in college and before, yeah. Why? I don't know. Because it was just like accessible. Like you could just shoot stuff or take other people's footage and edit or like yeah. make montage out of existing stuff that you had nothing to do with. Yeah. Um, and create something new. And it was techy, you know. For sure. Yeah. Definitely so is. that interested me, but yeah, then I in college I'm like fucking around with lights with all my friends on set and I'm like. I could do this. And everybody's like, yeah, we all want to move to LA and like do this together. And I'm like, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah. Then I graduated college, stuck around for a year working and, you know, advertising a local 
video production PA stuff. And I'm like, okay, not into this. Yeah. And then I quit my job and moved to LA. Wow. Did you have like, when you quit your job and moved up here, did you have a plan or was it? Well, just- so I had, I quit my job and I started getting jobs up here, like, mm-hmm. you know, little awful jobs and, and working for free and stuff. Yep. And I was driving up and crashing at friends places and stuff. Okay. And then after a few months of that, I had like a little bit of contacts build up. Yeah. And then I moved and then just kind of continued doing that. So I had a little bit of a foothold, I guess. What, uh, when like those early jobs up here, what were you working on? Like- <sighs> I mean, you know, indie features, indie shorts, uh, um, a lot, a ton of music videos, mm-hmm. like no money commercials. Yeah. Um, I mean like stuff we like the what we met on, like, yeah. you know, yeah. what we did, like exactly that. Like yeah. that's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. And then with like awful, awful, awful music videos, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And you were version rap videos, you uh, name it. Yeah. And you were doing gaffing on these. Yeah. I mean, there's only one person to lighting. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm doing more than that, but yeah, yeah. So how like did you have equipment at that time, or did it was I started to acquire stuff like I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I when I moved up, I had a little bit, and then I bought some more after a few months. Yeah, and then like after at the end of the year, I sold it all. Yeah, and how like I guess on the the educational side of that like learning those skill sets like was that a challenge for you like on on the day having to light these things or is it just were you are you like someone that's pretty quick to figure out things and like oh, okay this makes sense i need talent's gonna be here i need to make sure the light's over here because i when i i was fucking terrible with lighting because i spent so long doing everything by myself shooting editing editing mm-hmm. directing coloring sound lighting everything so when I'd have to do interviews, I would just be like, I need the fucking face to be lit. And I didn't know anything else. I didn't know about a far side key or a near side key. Yeah. It was just like light on the face. And that yeah. was it. I mean, yeah, lighting is a goddamn mystery when you start. But it's funny because now it's like I've done it so much. I mean, now I just like, I don't even light things. I just work as a lighting tech, you know. So, but I'm just around it so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm physically placing the lights and stuff that. Yeah. It's so formulaic to me. Yeah, I get but, that. I mean, you know, there still is creativity, but... Yeah. And it's also, too, when you are a lighting tech, you're not in charge of the process. You're not seeing it all, mm-hmm. necessarily. So it's hard to sometimes extrapolate what's going on with the creativity of it all. Like, mm-hmm. you just don't know what the DP wants and where the actor's going because you weren't there for the rehearsal. And, and the gaffer's not telling you, we're doing this because we're doing this. They're like, just do it, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, they, you know, they will tell you. But yeah. uh, it's harder to get the perspective of what's going on. But even still, it's like you have a semblance of like, you know, you do, you're going to look this way, you're going to like that way, whatever. It's like yeah. that, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen. You could take a wild guess. like Yeah. <clears throat> or sometimes you'll place a light. Like you're like, I think I'm in the right place. But you're like, then you tell the gaffer like, am I in the right place? Because this doesn't feel right. Like, usually yeah. we don't put lights here, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I felt I was, after a while, I got pretty good at it. I mean, I, f- I feel like I got good at like 
making quick decisions. Also, too, with limited resources and, like, limited liability because mm-hmm. you're on, like, a skeleton, you know, whatever yeah. short film or commercial or rap video or whatever. You You have limited options. You have limited – you have, like, freedom. So, you know, it wasn't that difficult. You didn't have to do that much planning, you know. Yeah. So – yeah, I mean, like, well, like, I mean, like, short films that we did were like my favorite, mm-hmm. like those types of projects because they're the most creative and you had the most control and there was the least interference with your work. Yeah, and it was just about lighting for lighting's sake. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously for the story and everything, but yeah, it was there was just the most it's like a level of freedom and creativity yeah and like you were lighting because not because like the db had some like stupid idea for rapid or because the client wanted this or whatever <laughs> yeah. we needed to do this on the product or something yeah you know and they had a horrible idea it's because this is what tells the story mm-hmm. and this is what is you know beautiful or applicable or yeah representative of what the hell's going on yeah or this just accomplishes how we get to the next i mean because that's filmmaking sometimes it's this is beautiful where it tells a story and sometimes like we just needed this to cope with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like people will sometimes get wrapped up in the artistry of film. And I'll tell you, when you work in the business, it's like, it's all got to work together. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. all, it's a business, you know, yeah. it's like, you gotta, gotta have everything make sense. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. it doesn't matter how artistic you yeah. are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so when you were, you moved up here and you were, crashing with friends and trying to come up what year would that have, would that have been uh late 2018 is when i was not living here okay. but working here and then january 1st 2019 is when i moved here okay so when did we i don't i thought we, we met in march of 2019 yeah okay fuck i was way off I, for some reason i thought it was back I'm, in 2017 but no. okay it's March of, March March 2019. Oh yeah. fuck! I'm flattered that you remember the month and and the year. Yeah, I, it's all stuff there. <laughs> I don't know why. I think because, yeah. Well, also too, when I moved here, every month is like a huge change in my life. You know, like okay. yeah. I would double the amount of money I was making the next month. I'd be working with entirely new people or something. Because mm-hmm. you know, your career is starting from zero. Yeah, and it's like you know now it's like it it has a similar. Hum, and I work with similar people. Yeah. It doesn't change that much. But like yeah. your first six months, you're in a completely different place. Yeah. I mean, if you're good, I guess. You know? Yeah. Like you can accelerate quickly. So each month, and I also was meeting all these new people and I lived in a new place. You know, it was a lot. Yeah. So everything sticks out in terms of Got it. how different each month was and what, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then that I guess that brings us up to our our creepy Craigslist post that I put on yeah. for uh, a gaffer because we desperately cry for help. Yeah, I was uh, got referred to this job by a friend of mine, uh, Justin, that I'm actually going to sit down with tomorrow um, for this uh, podcast. But he was that was like one of his main clients at the time, and he couldn't make the date, so he handed it down to me. And there was whatever the rate was to hire a gaffer. And I was like, okay, got on Craigslist. Cause I didn't know how else to like find someone. Cause I'd fucking up until that point, I had only worked with one other gaffer and it was on the first feature I ever did. And he kicked ass. Um, but I don't, and I have, we only ever worked that one time together, I think, <clears throat> but put an ad on Craigslist and you reached out and <laughs> 
for it's like a weird like it's almost like a blind date because you don't know what you're getting on either side it's like all right and you got lucky i got (laughs) i got real fucking lucky i got lucky too oh my god i feel like you got more lucky because you're the one that posted it but i got more lucky i mean the thing is i've i've had the inverse happen where okay you know i've taken jobs Mm -hmm. perhaps through craigslist and they're the worst thing ever Mm-hmm. Like I think the worst job I ever did probably was maybe through that or, you know, yeah. or something like that or Facebook maybe, but yeah. 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 And it, I remember, yeah. So this, this vegan cooking show thing, it looked, the end result was really good. Like I was super stoked how it looked. Everything went well. We did a near side key. <sighs> did we? Yeah, we did. On the, on the yeah, interview on the portion. interviews. Yeah, we did we the, did. Uh, and then there was like, I think like a sandbag or something that was like, it made this like like colored reflection in the fridge yeah yeah like fuck it yeah yeah that was the fun thing though about doing like little tiny stuff like that it was like no big deal nobody's gonna notice nobody (laughs) cares you know it's like you do like a two million dollar commercial and it's like it's it's pulling teeth on every single possible visual decision that can be made you know (laughs) so it's like yeah it was fun how we were like, fuck it, dude, just, just spray it around, yeah. man. We'll just, you know, yeah. we'll set this up, do that. And it was, you know, good. And Yeah. I rem- And then, yeah, the stuff, like, the Dustin's interview and his mm-hmm. action stuff looked great. It, looked it still looks great. Yeah, still, like, it's still, honestly, like, I'm like, man, maybe I should put some of that in my reel because it actually looked really good. Yeah. Um, but I remember, because as we've said, this was for, like, this vegan cooking show thing, and they were very hard-lined on their views of people that eat meat and consume milk uh which whatever it's to each their own that doesn't bother me at all i have full respect for people that live that life i think it's great um just the judgmental side of things is what sucks but i remember at one point in that interview it got so fucking weird with the shit they were talking about that i think i text you and I like I know exactly what part you're talking about. And I think I know exactly what part. I'm pretty I sure. I still remember this stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my text to you was like, "Hey man, I'm re- I like I was apologizing to you <laughs> yeah. for bringing you into this because it yeah. was like their views." I guarantee was... I was like, "Dude, this is hilarious." Though. Oh, I <laughs> felt so bad. I was like, "Oh fuck, TJ's never gonna want to work with me again because I drug him into this weird thing." And the and the best part is it's coming out of like men's national. USA champion Dustin Watson's mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, dude, it was pretty extreme. I was like, wow, this is, we have such different views on this situation. Um, but yeah, I was like, wow, this is. It's all about the lighting, bro. Yeah, but hey, the lighting looked great. And no animals were harmed in the making of the visuals or the lighting. And the check cashed and. Yes, it did. Yep, yep. That's what it's all it's about. All, it's all that matters, yeah. Uh, but that's an important lesson in the industry, too. It's like, sometimes you think you want to work on the stuff that really matters to you, and sometimes you realize you just want to do a toothpaste commercial, you know? It's like... I've always heard there's like a saying, I've heard that there's, you know, you do one for the meal and one for the real. <laughs> that was definitely one for the meal on my end. Yeah, and sometimes, <laughs> the, and sometimes the one for the real aren't end up not being for the real, and they're yep. not cool and they're not fun and you don't like the people and it's like "Ah, what's the point of this yeah and yeah yeah, i mean yeah working on a freaking nut commercial or a you know health technology commercial or whatever and it's boring it's like sometimes that's just what you need because sometimes just the work environment especially like when you're working on like 
you know, like a big union commercial. It's like sometimes when just it's nice and the vibe is good and you like the people you're working with and the money's nice and it's everything's set up properly and the yeah. logistics are in order. It's like that's what you need in life. You know? Yeah. Sometimes it just has to be like it's not just I mean, yeah, it's it's nice to have a easy, you know, job, good money, all that stuff. But it's also like it can just be satisfying to like work on a well-run Oh, yeah. Kill job with people you like, yeah. even if the content <clears throat> doesn't inspire you. But at the same time, like I did a pistachio commercial and it was like the funniest thing I'd ever worked on. And I worked on like comedy television shows, yeah. you know, like very popular comedy television shows and comedy, you know, whatever shorts and commercials and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, this fucking nut commercial was hilarious. What dude. was so funny about the nut commercial? It was just like these two like improv dudes just riffing bits for all their little like 15 second spots. Okay. And then they had like a s- office set with all this like, you know, kooky um, antics going on. It was all just pistachio related. And it was okay. Their, <laughs> like, yeah. it was their like narrative that they had about, you know, selling their unshelled pistachios <laughs> or whatever. But I was like on set, like cracking up. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that was a really fun commercial. It was yeah. easy. But it was also like technically challenging. Yeah. In some ways. And, you know, it was just a good one. Yeah. But yeah, so it doesn't all have to be. <laughs> yeah. <for the> real. <laughs> what a. Uh... <laughs> So throughout that process, <clears throat> was the was the goal for you to eventually get into the seven twenty eight or in the beginning it it wasn't as present a goal in my mind, and then I was like, okay, I have to. Well, I guess it was always like it would just be required to work on higher level stuff, and mm-hmm. then I started to like really want to get in for the work and the security and the benefits and like, and it's a craft union with a ton of education and camaraderie among members so Mm -hmm. you you know i learned started learning a lot Mm -hmm. both on the job and through talking to people and taking classes and yeah i mean when covid hit they did a ton of like virtual classes on uh you know zoom and stuff Mm -hmm. and i saw and i had nothing going on nobody did couldn't even leave the damn house so i just freaking attended all these classes and read up and mm-hmm. learned a ton of stuff. Yeah. And it was, it's been very helpful. What, uh, like, cause I got into the local 600 last May. Uh, my trajectory though has been incredibly slow, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of I haven't even had a union job yet, but mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm in, I've had these workshops and whatnot that I've been able to do, which has been rad. Um, but for you, when you got in, did that like, did it like change anything for you? Like mentally of like, fuck yeah, I made it. Or like, this is going to like set me up to, you know. I mean, once you're in, you're in. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you're like locked into the ability to take advantage of everything and work on those jobs. So yeah, I mean, it was huge. This is hard to get in. Yeah. It's not like 600 where you can just pay in or it's not like a right to work state where you can just, you know, get in with whatever. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And I got really lucky. It was very uh, uh, painless for me. But um, Was that just knowing kind of the right people to help get you on? I just met a guy who had a show that was like the 
ideal situation to get into the union. Okay. And then I did. So that was huge. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it allowed me to then work on stuff that like instantly like boosted my knowledge of the industry and meet people and mm-hmm. work on bigger stuff and make more money and get more benefits and have healthcare, you know, all this kind of crap. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> what, uh, <clears throat> since you got in and I like, I know a lot of the stuff that you've worked on, but for you, what's been out of like kind of the bigger name jobs you've been on that people might recognize what's been the most satisfying or fulfilling or exciting one. Daisy Jones and the six. Okay. For sure. How come? It was a ton of fun. The people were great. Um, I really liked my department, other departments too. PAs. Mm -hmm. I got along with a lot. Um, made some friends in camera grips were great. Very talented, super talented, uh, storied key grip, great crew. Um, locations were cool. I mean, it was a really hard job. Mm-hmm. It was long ass hours and like tough locations. So, I mean, that, that became difficult. Like, yeah. I mean, that it's more, it's easier to enjoy it more now, but even still I had so much fun. Like I was able to get through it with a pretty good attitude. Yeah. And it was this, I just thought the content of the show was really interesting to like, it felt like I was participating in it, like mm-hmm. being there, seeing it, lighting it. Like, I don't know. It just had good juju. I don't, yeah. you know, it's yeah. hard to explain. And I just come from a job that I quit because I hated the gaffer and the best boy. And they were just so bad at their job. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, was that, a, was that a pretty easy decision to quit or was that? Oh, I mean, it sucked because I'm like, so attached to work and working and wanting to complete a job and make money and be employed and like get better and yeah make the right decisions and move up in my career and so i had this like show lined up for me and it was going to be good and i thought it was going to be great and blah, blah, blah. and then it just like became intolerable and i had to like forfeit all this work because you know how it is like you don't know if you're gonna like oh yeah <laughs> not work like i had like three, four months of work ahead of me and I gave it up. And then luckily I went right over to Daisy Jones and it was a ton of fun. And it, it, six of the 10 episodes are out. Okay. And I don't even watch TV and I don't even watch the TV I work on. (laughs) I like glance at it and be like, Oh, I remember that. That was fun. I try to like, but I haven't worked on stuff that's interesting, but I was like, I was like, this will be interesting to watch. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, I always said it may not be good. I don't think it'll be good, but it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Dude, it's good. Hell yeah. I really like the show. And I'm curious what other people think, but like the book was really popular. So, yeah. But I think we did a great job. I think it looks really great. I think the vibe's really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the direction and acting and um, all the like uh, chemistry between people and the story is so much more. (laughs) <laughs> impressive than I thought it would be. Yeah. Like I Fuck was yeah. skeptical. Yeah. But yeah. So it's been very satisfying watching it and being like, fucking did this. That, man. Yeah, like I was there. Like, that's fucking, that's cool. That's such a good feeling. I just finished up, uh, DPing a short, like a real low budget, like no money type short. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did a lot with a little 
and I saw or I saw the first rough cut all put together, and I was like, oh, okay, like we're in the ballpark, like I can actually see it. And then <clears throat> earlier this week, I got the second rough cut from the director, and I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> like it's not the it's not the greatest <clears throat> short film that was ever made. It's not fucking gonna win any awards or anything like that. But I was like, oh fuck, this <laughs> looks good. The the directing was good. The acting was solid. Like it checked all the boxes. And I was like, this is probably the first narrative thing I've done outside of that no runners project I did. Um, that I'm like fucking proud of. Like it looks good. And that's a good feeling when you can work on something and everything goes well and you see it and you're like, fuck. But it doesn't just look good. It is good. Yes. And that is a hard. Yeah. Combination to find. Yes. And that's, what's cool about Daisy Jones. You know, it's like, I mean, I, it's rare that a show doesn't look that good, but that the show is good or interesting to watch is yeah, the I harder mean, thing to watch, especially in a no-budget short. Because those things are never good. I mean, to be... For, ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. For full transparency, when I say no-budget, I mean I literally dedicated all of my time and gear for free just because I needed to like get on something narrative just to mm-hmm. keep... I mean, I'm for better or worse, kind of starting my career over again. Like mm-hmm. I've really just stopped with the motocross stuff. I can't do it anymore. I don't have an interest in it Yeah. It's to the point where it's like, I'll just fucking go get it. I'll go work at Trader Joe's. I mean, you got to take a risk. To, I mean, that's what I did. You know, I started yeah. over like, luckily I didn't have much going for me already. And I picked up a new thing quickly, but like you have to take a risk. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, this is what you got to do to be happy. It's yeah. like, you got to, you got to jump. You yeah, know? yeah, and I'm, it I'm, sucks, and then it's better. <laughs> it's scary, especially with my wife and I having a, a kid on the way, and she's due in June, and it's like, fuck, I, I, like, could easily go back into this world right now and go get stuff, but that's well, at least you have the option. But I'm like, not that you want to exercise. Yeah, it. and I, I have no. But like, it could be worse. It could be worse, unless the temptation is like not worth it. It, I mean, I'm not joking when I say I like. If I have to or had to, I'll go to Trader Joe's and I'll go get a job before I go back to having to go oh, then, to the hey, tracks. Hey, got Trader Joe's. Yeah, like, You'd be a crew member. I'd be a crew member, man. No matter what I do, <laughs> I'll be a crew member. The yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's not like any disrespect towards the dirt bike industry or world. I'm just I did it for 14 years and I hit my ceiling. Mm-hmm. I can only do so many Red Bull jobs chasing around the same guys that really don't want you to be there because they yeah. don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, so doing the short, did it for free. But the script was good. Like I said, it just it checked all the boxes. And then, like, actually seeing it pieced together, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, okay. It, was, it helps give me confidence. I'm like, okay, now I can, I can point the camera in the right direction with the right exposure, with the right lens, and communicate to my gaffer of what I need the lighting to do. And like, I mean, you got to have a good, like, intuition. You got to have a good gut. You yeah. got to, like, you know, that's important to know that you can do something and have it look good. I mean, that's why I liked working with you, because, like, you had you knew how to make it good. You know, it's like if somebody is not talented and they don't, or they have goofy ideas or like a bad conception of what they're doing or just unwilling to learn. Yeah. Or like expand their, you know, vision of what filmmaking cinematography could be. Yeah. You know, that that's when it's like not interesting. Yeah. And, and that- it was, it was fun when we started working together. Cause it was like, you know, you gave me free reign, but I also am always trying to cater to the DP. Like the way I see it is like, 
I can be creative and functional with lighting. Mm-hmm. But I the DP, for me, their purpose is vision. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we going to do with this shot? Like, what what's the vibe? What, uh, you know, like, also, like, being prudent about, like, well, when we turn this way, how's the light going to work there? Or, like, mm-hmm. how is this going to cut with that? Like, the DP does a lot of, like, gluing shots together. Yeah. It's a huge asset of a DP. Yeah. In the industry. Yeah. Um, especially when they're more experienced than the director, which is very often the case. <clears throat> um, like knowing what we are trying to achieve here gives me a box that I can be creative in. I can mm-hmm. be functional in, I can be, you know, forethoughtful in. like, that's what I get from yeah. a DP is like, you want this or this? I can do this or that. I'm thinking this. What do you think? Yeah. These are kind of the way I, ways I pose things to DPs, giving them like set options, set scenarios, set dialogues that they can choose from. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's, I mean like with me, like gaffing is just constantly talking. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And cause you're kind of, I mean, it's film is like, you're just hanging out making money, making movies with people in an ideal setting. Yeah. And so you're just talking, what do you want to do this? Well, is this going to bonus later? No. Okay, cool. All right. We'll we'll do this here. What do you think of that? And you're like, warm, cool. Okay, cool. I was thinking warm. Okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. I hope, uh, we, cause we haven't worked together since March of 2020, right before the world shut down. We worked on momentum. That was the last thing you and I worked on together. That was right before. And I hope that we can find something to work on together soon, just purely out of my selfishness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> purely out of Available. my out of my own selfishness of knowing how much I've grown as a DP since the last time we worked together and how to like communicate my vision better to to whoever my gaffer may be and like cuz when we were working together I had only like the vegan thing that was the second time ever I had had a gaffer and that was you. And then we did soul of a typewriter and you gaffed that. And then momentum, you gaffed that. But I was so, dude, I had no fucking confidence in terms of like how to communicate to you. Cause I was still so green in learning lighting. Like the first narrative thing I ever did in August of 2018 was a feature, had a gaffer, Connor, who was a badass. But I remember like him and the director and me talking about, doing a reverse shot and where the 180 line was going to be. And I had to pull the director aside and be like, where the fuck is the 180 line? Like, I know we ain't talking about the shutter angle here. Like, what is the 180 line? And it was like embarrassing, but it's also, I spent so long in the dirt bike industry where that shit doesn't like, yeah, it is not even a thought. So like my confidence in communicating to you was always like, fuck, I hope TJ doesn't figure out. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, and if you knew that, you, you you hit it well and you helped me get the look that we were <laughs> after. But I'm like, man, I hope we can work together on something now because I have just so much more self-confidence in how to communicate the idea to someone like yourself. And the biggest thing is like you're setting up the shots. I liked your shots. They made sense. They worked together. Like that's, I mean, the least you can provide it from it as a GP is like yeah. set up the shots in a way that, Tells the story is interesting. And also something I appreciate is sets me up for success with lighting. Mm-hmm. Like I want to help you. And if I'm going to have kind of take the lead on lighting, like give me something to work with here, you yeah. know? And we did. So it, yeah. you know, I, th- I thought all our stuff ended up looking it looked good. Yeah. It looked good. I'm bummed that momentum never, uh, 
just never came out. Yeah, never. that one, that was Dude. like, every location was set up perfectly. Dude. I mean, it lit itself. Dude, we, it I was... mean, we pulled some, because like Soul of a Typewriter was fun and it looked good, but it was like, it was hard in that like tiny bedroom that tiny and stuff room. and all that, and like Dude. mashing with outside. But, but yeah, momentum was like, oh, it just worked perfectly. That was still to this day, the biggest quote unquote narrative project I've been on. I think the total budget all in was like 35 grand for mm-hmm. everything. And like we had location permits, we had that fucking a police escort because yeah. we had to shut down the street for the school bus deal. Yeah. And like, I had Got never, school bus, yeah. yeah, I had never experienced any of this shit. And it was a five day shoot, one day of prep. And like, all I remember like that last day, I remember all of us being sad that it was over because we were like all had such a good time and the locations were rad. And like, where was our last, like, where did we the school? Yeah. And they fucking catered Benihana. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, Benihana. I forgot about that. Oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was the most like yeah fucking. They oh, cooked it right, right in front of us, dude. On the lawn, on the lawn, and of that like yeah, private whatever. grocery school. Yeah, yeah. That, that she went to. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, dude. So oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the last day, and then the world shut down. Uh, and then I did see one cut of it in June of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I was it like bummed me out it didn't turn out that well but that was when i learned too how important it is to have like a good look good yeah but they they, They had messed with it right yeah they i had provided like uh color examples yeah in kind of what i thought we should go towards and that's what i thought we had agreed on and then they went the the opposite way it was just teed up like dude we really gave them great stuff yeah and they went the opposite way on color and the person that did the editing not to you know shit talk but it just didn't oh it wasn't the bedroom too when we had yeah. the sun and it's like just her it's face just her and then face. it's pitch black dude and we i did, mean it was kooky but it but that was the fun thing about like doing those like shorts is like okay what if you had like no money but a lot of creativity yeah you would come up with stuff that like you just don't see mm-hmm. and i'm like it was interesting you know yeah i was that because was, if a hundred million dollar movie did it, it would be like a choice. It would be edge. Yeah. It'd be, you know, experimental, yeah. but we just did it because yeah, so we, these were our options. I was, yeah, I was bummed that that one never saw the light of day. And the one cut I did see wasn't, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a shame. Yeah. I it's, mean, it, I, I learned a lot from doing stuff with like no options and no money. It's like mm-hmm. you can, in some ways it limits you and keeps you focused and doesn't allow you to like grow, but also sometimes it, you get creative and you yeah. also like you realize how much and i like when big tps talk about this kind of stuff is like you realize how much you can do with just like a 60 watt globe like mm-hmm. in a practical lamp like yeah. i mean that's like the issue with like working on like you know tv and stuff like you know with like uh, medium budgets or whatever it's like mm-hmm. There's so much control and like fingerprint desired by the creators that I feel like it's just, it's less easy to obtain organic lighting. Yeah. Everything has to be overlit. There has to be a backup. We have to have this, that. And it's like, man, I've done some shit with some weird little rigs and contraptions and practicals and natural light and augmenting it. That's like, you know. And for some of those cases, we didn't need more stuff because we didn't have constraints of production that exist in, on a large scale. But it was just nice to like accomplish really amazing stuff with 
limited, you know, resources. Yeah. But yeah, you know, another thing too about working with a DP is like the thing that I always find myself asking is where are we going to look in this Mm. scene? Mm -hmm. Like when we block a scene Mm -hmm. and then we would go into lighting mode, the first thing I'd always ask is like, give me what we're going to do. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff can be thrown on like as happens, but yeah. Like what are our big looks, you Mm -hmm. know, like, are we just looking this way and this way? Are we going to do this? Are we going to like come around? Like I need, I like to have the total vision of what is going to happen. And like, whatever, maybe you can't always get that, but like, if possible, I'll do that. And then I'll know like, okay, here's where we're going to look. So what, how can we solve this in the least painful, most like organic way that will not bonus later? Yeah. Cause I hate doing that. I hate, you know, we all hate it when we're like watching a movie and the key flips or whatever. This is like that. Or like, you know, and like for me, a lot of it too is like lights that just don't exist. Like, clearly like light mats with snap grid crates like mm-hmm. pushing down from all over a house and it's like choose the practical go off the practical yeah. like yeah. light from that you know it's like that light isn't there i know that like that yeah. there's no window there like you know i always loved like practicals and windows and stuff and motivation although i guess i don't know people can think it's you know overly I don't know. Like I, I feel that motivation is important yeah. or it's, I, I just like to use it as inspiration. Yeah. Even though it's like, I've just, you know, working on like TV and stuff and movies. It's like, <laughs> they don't care. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. they're there to like light faces and like make the product and sell to the people and yeah. cash the check. But I do like motivation for inspiration. And whenever we'd go into a place, there'd be a window and we'd have some practicals or like, there'd just be a lamp there that somebody put and I would just go off it. Like, what yeah. if we just did that? Like, what if that was our look? And then it like plays off what's in the environment. And like, yeah. you know, I feel like a lot of the stuff we did is like, you never know there is a light there, but yeah. you watch any like TV show. It's like lights are just <laughs> right there's, off screen. Right, you know what I mean? Yep, they're just there yep. and, and they go away and they come back and yep. like that's, you know, yeah. and it just looks very lit, but I like yeah. having it be super Organic, organic and, and as natural as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like really trying to like mess with it. And cause that's the other thing too, is like you work on a big thing and it's like, how can we cut time off this? How can we just light it and mm-hmm. go home? Yeah. But I do like to, it doesn't have to take a long time, but I do like to come up with something really organic and beautiful that just doesn't take you out of it. Yeah. That we just don't need more than we have to put here. Mm-hmm. And that also comes from a place of like minimalism, but also too like with knowing where all the shots are looking or what the game plan is, I can make it fast. I can make it simple because I know what we're going to do. Yeah. And I know that when we turn around, I don't have to like rethink the lighting or like re-scrape everything up and like try to do something different. Like I want to keep the same source going if possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so that's where you kind of like get back the speed and stuff. And I also feel like asking a DP, like what the game plan is. Yes. Hopefully like forces them to like have one, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Cause it yeah. sucks. It's like when you do this shot and then they're like, okay, well now you want to come back over here? And it's like, 
you know, it's like we can't just be thinking one step ahead, you know, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we got to think, what do we want to accomplish here? Like, yeah. and like, <clears throat> I mean, you were going a hundred million dollar movie, and it's like they won't have a shot list, or like they're really just not thinking more than a, like one step ahead. That's and I'm so like, wild. the hell are that's, we doing here? Like, yeah. it is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's. I mean, wild. that's what I'm saying. It's like I thought from a technical standpoint and a craft standpoint the the craftsmanship is unparalleled at a mm-hmm. higher level mm-hmm. but sometimes like the planning the creativity and like the base level filmmaking fundamentals are not quite there <laughs> it's like <laughs> so yeah you know hollywood baby i know it's like it's funny how it's been more difficult than I would have imagined to achieve a satisfying creative experience at yeah. a high level. Well, you know what we just need to make happen is I need to fucking get a DP job in the union and I'm just going to go straight to you. And we're going to hire the people we want to hire and we're going to fulfill that that feeling. Do it, do it how I mean, we, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't either. That's what, like, because I, I still work with Shannon quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, either, like, I'll have, her, like, her AC or, or gaff, and I'm just, every time I'm just like, be patient with me. Like, be patient, because yeah. one of these days, like, I swear to God, it's going to pay off, and, like, we can get the whole band back together, and we're going to be making, <laughs> we're going to be making a proper raids and doing some really fucking cool shit. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to reunite the family. Yeah, that's what I always tell her that, I'm like. We're going to get the band back together. It's going to happen. <laughs> We're going to reunite. We're going to go yeah. on a victory tour. <laughs> um, yeah, I swear. Uh, what a, for you, like, what's your angle, like, career-wise? Like, where do you want to, in a perfect world, like, where do you want to see yourself? I mean, in a perfect world, it always was gaff and features, you okay. know? It's funny how, like, that changes as you accelerate in your career. I feel like I still want it. But it's just like, that's what I wanted at the beginning, and now I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm, I'm still early on, but I'm, 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 the boat is on the water. I'm sailing through the ocean. Yeah. I have a better perspective of what's out here on the waves. Mm-hmm. And now it's like the path is less clear in a way. Weirdly enough, maybe. But I mm-hmm. feel like it's just so much more complicated, and there's just so. I don't know. There's just so much like politics and like career goals. And like, sometimes it's just, you can't make anything happen in the industry. Mm -hmm. Like you just, stuff just comes to you. You just work hard and yeah, I don't know. It's just, and your experiences maybe don't live up to what you maybe thought they were going to be. So you're wondering what is going to come next and what the next, you know, it's like I wanted things and I did them and maybe they weren't quite, what I thought they'd be, but sometimes they are surprisingly good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's now it's harder to see what that looks like. Just like have that, like what we do together when we did those things, it was like very fun and creative and whatever. And then you see people in those positions and it doesn't quite look that way. And maybe sometimes it is, but yeah, you know, I just don't know if I see people that enjoy it that way. Yeah. As much as I thought they would. And I bet it's out there, but at the highest of highest levels. Yeah. And the more I do it, the more I'm like, like in the beginning, I was like, I will succeed. I will gaff big features. I'll be the best. You know, like I'm going to work my ass off. Just like I always have. Mm-hmm. Apply myself. Yeah. And now I'm like, 
don't know, man. <laughs> you know, it's like I, yeah. I could, but it's like, I mean, and I will, but it, it's just like, it's just hard to imagine the steps now. Like, yeah. I don't know, to have like a plan feels very difficult. It's mm-hmm. just very, I don't know, just a confusing enigma for business in a way yeah. sometimes. And, and also to, you know, I have a personal life. I have other things that I care yeah. about now and are more established in my personal life. And, and so my, that like young fiery desire to just put everything I have into my career is maybe the virus is the same, but it's like, I have desire for other stuff too. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's just, <clears throat> I don't know. I just, I don't have as much as my, of myself dedicated yeah. to it. And also too, it's like, you know, I work as a lighting tech. I work as a systems tech. Like I do these things. Like I have knowledge of programming. I like have other building block essentials, other, you know, uh, niches that I have applied myself to that I enjoy Mm -hmm. and I'm good at right now. And I'm just enjoying where I am now too, rather than having my goal be the only thing I'm focused on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another part too, I guess it is a good thing that I'm like, enjoying yeah enjoying my, the moment my job responsibility yeah. now as opposed to only thinking about how i can get to the you know because I, I felt like when i got in the union especially i would do a job and think like this is what's going to contribute to me getting to where i want to be mm-hmm. and now i think more like i yes but also i in a way am where i want to be and i enjoy where i am yeah. This part is cool too. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. I was you you bringing that up kind of yeah, have you like those cookies, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we we got those at a pavilions the other day and I was like, oh maybe I'll bake some cookies for TJ. Easter's coming. Dude, they're so good. Easter is coming. Uh for those listening, they're uh little Pillsbury Easter cookies with the Easter bunny on them. They're real good. Um like what you just said and kind of like ha- having a personal life now and kind of, yeah, pers- you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like your perspective sh- shifting. Um, yeah. I was like, I, so for where I'm at career wise and things kind of like starting over and not being as busy as I am used to being like our kids do in June and I'm like just weirdly calm and at peace about my whole situation. I'm like, man, none of this fucking shit really matters yeah. because I got a little girl coming and that's what matters. Like obviously financially need to be able to like take care of her, but I'll do whatever that takes to make sure that happens. But like, yeah. it's definitely gave, like provided me some perspective of like not being as stressed out as I normally would. And that also I think is also attributed to that I'm two years into actively being in therapy and working through all my trauma and fucking bullshit. And I mean, fuck, a couple of weeks ago we had a, we had a heavy session. Yeah. I was like bawling. Um, and I think that like those two things and obviously having a super supportive wife have helped me to like be calm where I'm at right now and be like, no, make sure that my wife is as comfortable as she can be and, and safe and our, our kiddos, going to be healthy and safe and uh 
For me, it's it's nice to have something that takes the pressure off work. Yes. I enjoy that I don't have to have my foot pressing the pedal to the metal on the work mm-hmm. side of things. Yeah. That I can let off because I don't need to. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't need to be obsessed with work because I have a great relationship that I, I mean, I mean, even before my girlfriend, I just established myself more with like having more friends and having that kind of regular social life and, you know, especially post COVID. But yeah, I mean now like having a serious girlfriend that I live with and, you know, it's like it, it opens up a whole, (laughs) it opens up a whole new uh, personal aspect of life. Yeah. With, Goals or just attention or desires that I can entertain myself with and takes the pressure off work having to fill the void of my Mm -hmm. uh, desire to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that shit's healthy. Like I even for me and my like big and like go for runs and I I'm probably the most unassuming person when it comes to like being. Uh, I don't know if healthy is the right word, but like I run weekly. I go for these gravel bike rides weekly. I walk the dog four to six miles every day. I do these, these, uh, workouts at home three to four days a week. Um, and I found too, that for me, that also just helps with the clarity and resetting of the mind and like not getting stressed out with the fucking work shit. Pure body, pure mind. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I guess I could, you know, replace that with booze and uh, drugs, but I don't really. You know. I find a healthy combination. Yeah. <laughs> really advantageous. I'm really overall. leaning more towards my high school years of just going back to full straight edge, to be honest. Wow. I, I don't know why. No more Mickey Ultras for you? <sighs> Dude, I'm just, the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, eh, I don't really think I need a beer. <laughs> just give I'm me just going to drink water. <laughs> just, just give me a Coke. I'll be, I'll live, live wild and have a Coke. So, <laughs> um,. What uh, a couple more things I wanted to ask you. These are more a little random uh, to close things out. But uh, uh, do you have a uh, unusual talent that I don't know about? Unusual talent could be anything. I don't think so. You don't juggle or ride a unicycle or. <laughs> oh, unusual meaning. <laughs> Circus tricks. I <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have any. Um, Do you have a seal? Barnum and Bailey ass fucking uh, talents. No, I mean I'm. I, like what? Like flipping your eyelids? I don't guys. know. I, do, no, I, don't, I don't know. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I, <laughs> I, nothing comes to mind. All right. Um, <clears throat> do you have any guilty pleasures? And that could be like. I don't know, food or a guilty pleasure movie or fucking, I'm really into fucking Hanson. Like that's my, I like Oombop. Oombop. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have, I mean, a guilty pleasure. I mean, I guess what the implications that you feel guilty that you like it, that you exercise your. Oh, for, for, for me, it's Taco Bell. Yeah, so you feel guilty that you eat it because you know it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We eat it every Friday Uh, night. 
That's our every uh, Friday night. Every Friday. So, yeah, so it started. You, uh, yeah, yeah. You guys. Like, I think I've told you. Guys you watched the Office. And, yeah, yeah. And, and you talk about. Yeah, it started when the party pack. Oh man. <laughs> when COVID. When one. COVID happened, um, we started like we were you know stayed inside for a while and then we were like, well, we need to fucking get outside. Like even if it's just us, like go for a walk. So we started going to Disneyland. We'd drive out to Disneyland because yeah. they were closed, yeah. and we'd park in the neighborhood, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we'd walk this like three and a half mile loop around the perimeter of the park every Friday night with yeah. a dog, and then we'd just go to Taco Bell, get Taco Bell, come home, <laughs> eat our Taco Bell in bed, and wash the office. And so the the walk has now shifted from Disneyland down to uh, Balboa Island in Newport on Friday nights, but we still do mm-hmm. our Taco Bell and our office. We're doing it tomorrow night, <clears throat> still, three years later. Wow. That's our... Guilty pleasure, the Taco I mean, I Bell. Guess, I guess a California burrito is pretty guilty, and that <laughs> provides me with an immense amount of pleasure. Every time I go down to San Diego, it's the first thing I do. Yeah, I get a California burrito at the bottom of the hill and go to my dad's house. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's. I don't do it every Friday night, but thank God. Maybe it's good that they're far away because <laughs> otherwise I'd yeah. be eating them a lot. I yeah, I think I joke with Karen. I'm like, I pretty much just do all my like physical activity. To justify consuming the copious amounts of calories from Taco Bell. Hey, well, that kind of works out. I feel like your your physical activity is far outweighing the the uh, negative effects of your Taco Bell at once. I hope so. so, but I mean, I know it's fucking. By the time we we get in bed, it's like nine after but nine o'clock sl- at night. And <laughs> I have a large soda to go. I was with. gonna say, if you're, <laughs> if you're slamming Coke, okay, it's just like you're drinking probably forty grams of sugar plus a day. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, that that. You might want to <laughs> dial that back a little bit. Maybe they make that every Friday night, you know. <laughs> Baja Blast, per se. Uh, I don't like the Baja Blast. Cherry Pepsi. Cherry Pepsi. I used to get a doctor. I always like vanilla Coke. Oh, dude, vanilla Coke's good. Cherry vanilla. They got cherry vanilla, I think. I don't think I've had that. Well, <laughs> it sounds like you're the target audience. <laughs> yeah, when Karen and I go to Hawaii, and we do Hawaii in October for our wedding anniversary each year. In the little, you go to Hawaii every yeah, year? Yeah, every October for a wedding anniversary. Wow, where do you go? Uh, Oahu. How long? Uh, we'll do like six days, seven days. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I thought you knew that. No, I don't think I did. Oh, really? Yeah. Every, go to Hawaii for six days every year? That's good. Yeah, yeah once a year. My mom lives in Kauai, and I don't even go. Oh, there. Really? <laughs> I haven't been in years. But we're trying to go this year, though. Okay. Dude, it's so beautiful over there. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. expensive as fuck, but it is. <laughs> That's why I'm wondering what you go every year. I'm like, you're going to... I have a Hawaiian... I got a Hawaiian Airlines credit card, so it just all lives on that. Yeah, you got a timeshare, too? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> hey, good for you. I mean, my mom lives there. I, like, you buy the plane ticket and everything else is pretty much covered, but... It's... I mean, I don't know, but we're pretty low profile. Like, we'll have our hotel, and then we just hang out at the beach all day. Like, we don't do yeah. a lot. It's, yeah, you can do it cheap, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, it's so nice. But, yeah, it's, coconut bananas. But any, anyways, what, the convenience <laughs> store that's attached to our the hotel that we always stay at, for whatever reason, I always get a vanilla Coke when we go every year. Vanilla Coke. It's an ABC store? Uh, no, it's not. It's just a one-off thing attached okay. to our hotel. Um, Same hotel. You guys like routine i'm that's well, what you guys like. it's it's really me like i'm a big routine guy but i think yeah. that comes from like what i've learned in therapy is that like crave shit, control yeah like my shit growing up there was a lot of things that were out of control yeah. and so now i'm like yeah this is the thing people do yeah so now it's like i like routine and like predictability to some level is like really important yeah for me it's like stay sane i like, like planning but maybe not control per se but yeah, maybe. in fact, I don't. I don't love it because then I have to make decisions, and that kind of stresses me out. I have had friends where I've been like, "Hey, 
this band's coming to town in six months. I'll buy tickets. Do you want to, I'll get, I'll get your ticket. And they'll be like, I don't know what I'm doing in six months. I can't confirm. I'm like, what? What do you mean? I know like, that is funny. It's like you create control and you work in the film business. Oh, it's fucked. It's <laughs> fucked. It's, it's probably one of I mean, the, I get it. It's yeah. like every day I'm not working. I'm like, I mean, but that's been my whole career. Like, even in the moto world, it was like, dude. But it's fun that it's diverse and it's all over the place and random stuff happens and stuff yeah. comes up. It's not so fun when they go away, but, you know, it's nice. I enjoy the the roller coaster yeah. of it. Same way on set. You know, it's like, hurry up and wait. It's like, first you're going, then you're stopping. Bup, bup, bup. Yeah. It's like the monotonous nature of some work. Really not into that. Yeah. Yeah. I know Working that. in a cubicle. No. Reagan four out. Boring. I, I've worked in a cubicle before. It's not, yeah, not fun. Yep. I'll, I'll take the roller coaster of this job. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Before we conclude this, we have to discuss our love for Tom. <laughs> Especially our, as you being a San, Diego, t- a San yeah. Diego native. Fellow San Diego. The only man in the band from San Diego, Tom DeLong. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I have his phone number. Yeah. I. <laughs> the dude, own. he makes. Nursery rhymes, pop punk nursery, pop punk rhymes. nursery rhymes. It's genius. That's it's just it. you know, it's nice that the it's easy to decry the adolescent nature of Blink One Eighty Two songs, but in some way it keeps you grounded because you listen to those songs and you're like, I'm just a teen at heart. Just yeah, we get and you know it's funny because it's like I remember telling you one time like you know when you go to a show and you're listening to the band you're gonna go see. Because you're like hyping yourself up and you're remembering the words to the songs and yeah. all that stuff. And when I drive to you, I want to listen to Blink-182 because <laughs> I just associate you so much with Blink. Yeah. That it's like, it's like when I hang out with you, it's like, like I said, it's like having a piece of San Diego where like you get it and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like when I'm with you, it's like we are just our low down, dirty punk rock, <laughs> SoCal San Diego. Yeah fucking bullshit selves yeah that's like the core like identity underneath everything else like it's not that i have other things that are fake but it's like that's like the kernel of like the of the popcorn yeah but uh yeah when you listen to blink it's like it just takes you back to what it felt to listen to that stuff and like yeah dick jokes and fart jokes it's like they're not even that entertaining but you know it's just like it keeps you like it keeps you light, you know? It keeps you at ease. It's like no, yeah. there's no doom and gloom in a Blink song. There's no, you know, there's there's some like, there's some vulnerability. There's some like, you know, heartbreak and loss and whatever. But it's like, it's nice that it just keeps you adolescent in a way, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? It keeps yeah. you in check. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would almost argue to some level that is like a guilty pleasure of mine too, just because like, I really grew up in like old school punk rock. Like that was my first exposure really to music. And then also like Pantera and old Metallica and Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And like white zombie. Uh, And then I was like found green day, the dookie record and then blinks dude ranch. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is great. So sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, blink and angels and airwaves and boxcar. Like that's, I'm like kind of a, almost ashamed because it's like, but I really love descendants and circle jerks and minor threat and H2O and all these other bands. But there's this fucking pop punk thing that for whatever the reason, just I can't oh, feel man. guilty about it. The, their live record, that Mark, Tom and Travis show. Oh yeah. Oh my God. The first time I heard that I was in seventh grade and it changed my life. 
without question. Cause I was like, Oh, these people, these guys say the same fucked up shit that we're saying <laughs> in seventh grade, but we don't know. Famous. But yeah, but we don't know what it means. Yeah. But we just know it's funny. And yeah. but there's these people that make this music and they're saying the same shit as us. Like, Oh my God. Like you like, I don't know. I just identified so quickly with the, the terrible dick jokes. And like the music <clears throat> just speaks, it, spe- it speaks to you then it speaks to you now. I oh, remember yeah. where I was when I heard damn it in the car on the mm-hmm. 91X for the first time. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. it just, uh, I mean, they were so big back in the day. Yeah. They were so big. Yeah. And like, they had like dick jokes and fart jokes and stuff, but they were huge with women. Mm-hmm. Like teenage girls loved that shit. Yeah. And dude, it's just funny. Cause like I look back at like the early two thousands, like late nineties, like what a different fucking time. Yeah. It's so different now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, it, just yeah. imagining that like musical climate and like Blink's the biggest band and these are the values that people share and this is how people dress and this is what they do. It's like, it seems so far away now. It seems yeah. like that's never going to come back. No. It's like, you know, it's like looking at like the 70s and like yeah. 70s rock music. And I was like, uh, it's always, I always knew it was never going to come back. It always feels so distant or whatever. I mean, I love it and everything, but now it's like, I lived through that part yeah. and it feels like it's never coming back. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. We lived through the part where there was like this clash between Blink-182 and Green Day being the two <laughs> biggest <laughs> pop punk yeah. bands in the world. Yes. Like it was a fucking thing that yeah. looking I back. I saw Green Day twice. I saw American Mar- Idiot Tour, man. Okay. What a moment that was. Okay. Where at? Uh, at, uh, uh, what was it called at the time? Probably Coors Amphitheater. You okay. Know, the one. Yeah. Yeah. Thing down there. Yeah. Chula. Yeah. But yeah, like. Dude, American Idiot was like, fuck George Bush yeah. and like, yeah. you know, black and like the yeah. red ties, the red ties and stuff, yeah. you know, all that yeah. stuff. It was like, yeah. fucking, you know, wake me up when September ends. It was just like, a, it was a funny time. Yeah. My first concert ever was 2001. It was the Pop Disaster Tour. Blink-182 and Green Day headlined, co-headlined. Wow. And Jimmy Eat World opened for him. Wow. Oh, dude. That I, is amazing. I remember like, so when we saw him, we saw him down in Irvine at the old Irvine Amphitheater and it was... Jimmy Eat World, then Green Day, and then Blink closed out the show. And I remember when Blink started playing, and I remember, so when I did my project with Tom a few years ago, I told him the story. And it was funny to, like, hear his, him kind of recant his memories as well. But I was like, my mom bought me and my friend at the time just tickets up in the nosebleeds. And Blink comes on. Had the giant fuck on fire behind him, behind Travis. <laughs> I sw- like I'm not kidding. I remember like looking down and just seeing parents grabbing kids and running out of the amphitheater because like the the word <laughs> fuck is on fire. And then just the humor that I mean, it was. I was even waiting for my mom to be like, "We got yeah, go. like this ain't good." Like because I don't think she really knew how like <laughs> vulgar Blink was. Yeah. Um, but that was my first ever concert. Yeah, that's a good one. That was yeah. Was, <laughs> I mean, yeesh. Was, yeah, yeesh for sure, dude. I mean, yeah, it's that's. A, I mean, I've been to some. I've been to some pretty epic. I mean, I remember like seeing. Uh, I saw Pennywise, Offspring, Jimmy World mm-hmm. at at uh, at the parking lot of Qualcomm, like in okay. the back, like yeah. field, training field thing or whatever. And then at Coors, I saw. Um, uh, Offspring headlined, and they played Smash front to back, oh. and, then, and then others hits, and and it was Bad Religion, Pennywise, and then Stiff Little Fingers and the Vandals. 
You saw stiff, stiff little, little fingers. You saw stiff little fingers. They opened the show. They were the first. Oh, of five dude, yeah. how were they? They were good. <laughs> I mean, they still—they have longevity. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Oh yeah, yeah. Like fuck, that's they've rad. been carrying it out for that long. Yeah, and how influential they've been. That's rad. I saw in O two. Oh, three. I saw MXPX play a free parking lot show at the Irvine Spectrum. Wow. <laughs> Dude, it was so good. That's good. It was so good. That is a good story. That's yeah. so 2002, man. It is. There's no reason to come it back. It doesn't happen know? anymore. No. God, those are it's, just the energy. Those years just had energy, man. And there was, no like, social, there was no social media. So, like, you were there and, like, you actually able, were able to, like, enjoy the experience. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, it was it was a great intersection between like technology and like it was a changing of eras. I, yeah, between like ninety seven and two thousand three was just this so good, this wild time. It was of just yeah. kids ruling the world and like mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's so good. It's just a funny time for like culture and technology and like yeah. embracing the now. Yeah, big time. <laughs> it seems so like present at the time, you yeah. know. Yeah. And you look back and like oh, that's dated, but <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it was good. But it lives on in us. It know? does. Yeah. Did you ever see Angels and Airwaves live or no? Yes, I did. Have you? Yeah, really? they what? they opened for, or maybe it was the other way around, but they played with Weezer. Oh yeah, long time ago. Like don't, we were at that. You said was, you were at. Yeah, that I was show. in 2008 in San Diego at at, uh, at, at the, state. Yeah, at state. Yeah, yep. at state. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was there. Yeah, I was in the fucking nosebleeds, and then the next morning I had to fly to Minneapolis for uh, a shoot. I was looking at a magazine <laughs> at the time. Yeah, but I was like, I gotta fucking go see Angels and Airwaves. Yeah. 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 So you haven't. That was the last time you saw them. That was the one and only time I, I ever oh, saw them. Oh, yeah. dude. If they, if and when they ever go on tour again, you got to come with because their yeah. last tour in 21 was fucking. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that they would be really fun to see live. They're they're way they're like I think Tom, it's a great show. Tom's got his head on straight now, it seems like. And like <laughs> it was like honestly like really like they were solid. It was fucking great. So it's good to hear. Um last thing. San Diego Padres, are they are we going to win it all this year? <laughs> I mean, it's funny cuz every year it's like if not now then when and it's like Every year it gets more and more <laughs> yeah, really stacked. Does. I'm like, yeah. this balloon is going to pop. Like, yeah. we got to, like, win this We got to do it. Like, I mean, you can't stuff this much talent. Fucking. And just shit the bed. I mean. There's. And, like, yeah. Pending tragedy. As there always is with people getting hurt Well, Joe's, and, you know, rehabbing his foot. and Dude, you, the you, foot thing. And then, like, I see Soto's got tightness. Yeah, and, like, Tatis and, hit his bruised. I'm like, I'm so, like, paranoid yeah, now. Like, yeah, and I know. Everybody just keep it together. I think you's still in the base of the World Baseball Classic, classic right now. And they're not expecting him potentially to even be the opening day starter if they go any deeper. The fucking baseball like, God damn it. Yeah, like, why? So many of our guys are in it, too, I feel like. I know, dude. Man. I keep getting the notifications like, watch freaking, like, what is it? Like, so, uh, like Soto and Machado hitting back-to-back yeah. homers and, and yeah. for DR, like, yeah. yeah. It's cool, but it's like, can we just, let's, let's get I'm back. excited, man. Dude, I mean, I'm going to go down and I'm going to try to go opening day or at least like part of opening series. Yeah. Weekend at the end of the month. Yeah. And like, oh my God, the energy is going to be oh, insane. Dude, it gets more and more every year and like they're selling oh, yeah. more tickets every year. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like, people want blood you know oh yeah it's so it's so cool like i was always like not a crazy baseball fan but like 
when I was younger, I'd play like the MLB The Show, and I would always, oh, yeah. either, I would always, That's how it starts. Yeah. yeah, I would always <laughs> either play as the Angels or the Padres, and I don't like with the Padres. Like, I don't really have any connection to them. The Angels, if I can. Anaheim Stadium's yeah. 15 minutes from where I live. Angels in the outfield. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, but then when I met Karen, and like one of our first dates very early on was going to a Padres game, and then I just got sucked into the Padres lifestyle, and I'm now on year 16 or 17 of being a Padres fan. And it's all paying off now. Yeah. So it's, 16 years ago dude, was a really was dark time. It was really bad. dark time. It was so bad. I mean, yeah, it was, it Kevin, was a wasteland. Kevin Quackenbush. <laughs> Oh my god! I will n- never forget that name. Quack, dude. Fucking quack. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it feels so good because I'm like, you know, I tell people like, you make fun of us Padres fans. You don't know what it's like to be a real fan. We I mm-hmm. we suffered so much bullshit, <laughs> and now we're like starting to show some promise. Yeah. I yep. mean, like knocking the Dodgers out was huge. Losing to the Phillies oh, sucked, yeah. but like now it's like I feel like we got that notch under our belt. It's like we're making progress in the yeah. right direction. Yeah. I mean, Mets. Dodgers knocked them both out. Huge, titanic, big market teams that Dest- had a hundred plus wins. Like- destroyed uh, Max in that in that game. I remember watching that on my phone with Karen. We were it was in October. It was in October of last year. We were in Hawaii for our mm-hmm. anniversary, and she had just found out she was pregnant. She was like super sick, so we would spend a lot of time in bed. And I was just I was watching that game, and the fact that we just made Max our bitch. Dude. Hell yeah. Watching. Uh, so the best feeling as a Padre ever was watching my high school <laughs> glassmate, Joe Musgrove, throw an O-hitter. Yep. It felt like winning the right. series. Yep. But when we knocked out the Dodgers, that was the greatest moment I've ever had in Padres fandom. Yeah. Like, that was so insane. I couldn't believe that we did it. Yeah. Knocked him out. Like, came from behind and everything. The goose. Like... <laughs> I just watched a, f- a couple of days ago on the Padres YouTube. They had a interview with uh, Cronenworth from camp and they were talking about his, his like game changing knock against the Dodgers in that series. It just changed everything. Like him, like waking up the next morning and seeing that photo of him running around first on the front page of the new, the newspaper and just like, Oh fuck. So good. Dude. Oh, so good. I know. It got me fired up. And that's what I'm saying is like the energy is going to be insane. People oh, yeah. will, like want that to continue, yeah. you yeah. know, especially if we can even just do that again. Like, oh, man. I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I, I, I got I got high hopes. I mean, I, I always do. Like it's I mean, with Tatis back too. like, I don't know. It's just going to be super interesting with the. Yeah. I mean, you just you don't think it can, can get more crowded with talent. I mean, like us getting Soto. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I did not think that was going to happen. No, I. It's so wild. Like all the extensions between you and Joe and and Manny and yeah. I know there's oh, talks it's like about we Soto. got a solid like lineup for a little bit for a while. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I'm curious what's going to happen with Snell because I, I like as a person, his personality <laughs> fucking cracks me up. Yeah. Is it going to be second half Snell again, or are we going to have? Like, can he redeem himself? Can he? Can he? Get better, can he? What okay. happened? Was it just a one-time thing where he was good at the? What's it's, uh, it's, in, it's so frustrating. Yeah, we'll see. So we don't shit the bed. I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> then you yeah. can be outside of yeah. the Padres fan. You have to be. Yeah, that's why it's what they say: keeping the faith. 
Friar Faithful. Friar Faithful. <laughs> We're standing up, open from the past. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we covered everything, TJ. Anything else you can think of you want to? That's all she wrote. All right. You got to get back. You want to go get some lunch? Lunch sounds good. All right. Cool. Lunch it is. This is an outro. I've had to record this multiple times because I keep fucking it up and I don't know what I'm supposed to say because I have discovered outros are weird. And if you ever do a podcast and you have to do your own outro, you will also discover that this is weird. But here we are trying to make it less weird, but probably making it more weird. Anyways, uh, thank you to everyone that listened to that episode. I really appreciate it. Hope every one of you enjoyed it and got some insight into and, uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm not doing this again. So we're going to roll with that fumble. Um, hmm. I hope that you got some insight and perspective, uh, into the story you just heard from who was most definitely a rad individual. Um, and like I said up front, if you haven't already, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever you like to cast your pods, we're there. Uh, so give it a follow, subscribe, rate, review, comment, love it, or leave it. Uh, and find us on Instagram at underscore the field experiment, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the social stuff, because influence and new episodes every monday morning 5 a.m pacific standard time 8 a.m eastern standard time every monday new episode uh so yeah hope to see you back again thank you to everyone that listened hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next week